I've got this reputation of being real controversial. Uh, what happened was, uh, I got tired of watching people die in this fellowship. You know, I got tired of people not understanding that you can recover from this illness called alcoholism. And I'll tell you, we've got some drug addicts in here. You can recover from that too. You can just substitute the word with what everything I'm saying this morning because it's applicable. I believe I heard the word of God say, Chris, you have never given the fellowship of AA a try. You've been around it for, for eight years. You've been going to hundreds of meetings. You dated their women. You drank their coffee. You know, you pissed and moaned in their meetings. You know, you, you, you occupied their time. But you, but you really never did do what the book asked you to do. We just read how it works. You never did do that, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. Found my way back into another AA meeting. I'm going to tell you straight going in the door, it wasn't an AA meeting like any other AA meeting. It was an AA meeting where everybody was carrying big books. Now, you've got to hear what I'm saying. Everybody was carrying big books. From the brand new sobriety to the old coots, they all had a point of reference. And they were on the table and they were ready to use them. And there was no opinion sharing in that meeting. Everybody came out of the book. It wasn't a big book study. It was a, 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 an AA meeting like AA was supposed to be. It was a pep rally where we talked about the power of God. And that's what I needed to hear. Because I was so depressed I just wanted to die. I'm sitting in that meeting detoxing. And those people loved me enough to pat me on the head and say, Buddy, you know, this ain't just about coming to meetings. This is about working some steps. And what we want you to do is we want you to recover from this bullshit. And I'm going to start off right now and tell you right now, I have a tendency to cuss on occasion. It is disrespectful and I'm trying to get better at it. On page 17 in the big book, it says, we have a, this common problem, and our common problem is one thing that ties us together, right? Now, I'm looking around the room, and, and it's pretty ludicrous of me to think that every one of us is on the same playing field, because we're not. You see, some of us in this room are real alcoholics. There's three, four places in the big book where Bill Wilson talks about the real alcoholic. Folks, he wanted us to make the distinction. By God, if you're a real alcoholic, there are certain things that you must hear in order to survive this disease. If you're not, all the other peripheral stuff in the world might help you stay sober. Everybody in AA is not alcoholic. But let's find out. You see, because if you're the real McCoy, if you're properly diagnosed, there is only one solution for you. It, what did the book say? The book said God could and would if he were sought. Turn to page 20. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. Then we have a certain type of hard drinker. He may have had the habit badly enough to gradually impair himself physically and mentally. It may cause this buckaroo to die a few years before their time. But, here it is. If a sufficient strong reason comes along, ill health, falling in love, change in environment, a warning from a doctor becomes operative, this man or woman can also stop or moderate, although they may find it difficult and troublesome, may even need medical attention. Hard drinker. Given sufficient reason, it's affecting your health, can you stop? You know what stop means, folks? <laughs> What's the next sentence say? But what about the real alcoholic? See, folks... As long as we've got real alcoholics in this world, as long as we've got real addicts in this world, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing here. I'm going to keep splitting the hairs of this business so that we understand that we can recover from this thing. But as long as there's people out here like the real alcoholic, we're going to keep talking about this because we need to understand it. There is hope. There is absolute hope for us. God, I wish somebody in 1979 had told me that. They said, keep coming back. It works. And I did for eight years and nearly died. Nobody said, it ain't, it ain't about meetings. It's about working the steps so that you can have your spiritual experience. The steps are a path to God, folks. It's not a self-help program. Let's read this paragraph. 
But what about the real alcoholic? He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his consumption once he starts. Follow me? Folks, this is what a real alcoholic is. Again, you can substitute the word drugs in here. This is what a real drug addict is. It's about control and choice, and that's it. Period. End of statement. It's what the book says on dozens of pages. It's about control and choice. It has got nothing to do with your drama. I don't care how many penitentiaries you've been in. That's not why you're an alcoholic. We could sit here right now and say, all of you be therapists today and I'll be the drunk and you're going to diagnose me with alcoholism. And I'm going to give you a little information and I'm going to say, okay, uh, I'm here to see you. Uh, I've just had uh, my second DWI and my wife and I are fixing to get a divorce. Have I given you enough information to diagnose me with alcoholism? But you see, a lot of us in the fellowship need to know this. A lot of therapists would say, absolutely, he's an alcoholic. But you see, that's not what the book said. What you need to do is start asking me two, two key questions. Exactly what the, what the book asked me. When I'm drinking, can I guarantee you every time that I can control how much I'm going to drink? Look at your experience, folks. Look at the truth based on your experience. Well, no. <laughs> I can sometimes. Okay. Can you, can you guarantee me you can control it every time? No. Okay? That means you have the phenomenon of craving that the doctor's opinion talks about. Now then, if given sufficient reason, you can quit on your own, you're not one of us. Nowhere in the book does it say you've got to go to prison or have DWIs or get in fights or rob liquor stores or black out or piss your pants or do anything else. No, nowhere in there. But in the first 164 pages, it just talks about control and choice. And if you're one of us, folks, it will never get any better. It's a progressive illness and it will get worse and you will eventually die from it. It's like a death sentence sticking around your neck. Nothing is going to change me around the drinking unless it's by God. Now that's what the book says. This is not Chris Raymer's opinion. This has got nothing to do with therapy. This has got nothing to do with process group. This has got to do with a relationship with God. Period. End of statement. That's what Bill Wilson said. That's what Dr. Bob. That's the combined experience of the first 100. You will have a spiritual experience if you're an alcoholic or an addict or you will you will drink again I feel so much better having said that I just I can't tell you it just makes me so tingly because folks that's the truth they say Chris you get so passionate up there I get passionate because I'm not lying to anybody everybody says oh Chris but you're so opinionated about this you see there's other ways to get sober you see but I disagree Again, if you're the real alcoholic, the book says that we have to have a spiritual experience. Now, if you just happen to be a moderate drinker or a hard drinker like the book talks about, then maybe you, maybe that little warm, bubbly bath with all the candles can help you. <laughs> maybe thinking through the drink can fix you if you have the power to do that. But you see, the book, I'm saying again, in three places that I can take you to right directly, it says, if you're one of us, the real alcoholic, the man and woman on page 21. You have placed yourself beyond human aid. What's AA? Group of humans, isn't it? What's my therapist? What's my treatment center? What's the church? I'm just saying we're a collection of human beings. You can all help me, but there's not one of you in there. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how connected you are that can... Guarantee me a relationship with God. You know, we keep letting everybody off the hook and we keep wanting to play with these words in the big book. 
We, we keep wanting to put our own interpretations on what this means. On the very title page, it says, How many thousands of men and women have recovered? It means that they woke up one morning and the desire to drink had left them. Now, that's recovered. I recovered from alcoholism 11 years ago. <laughs> I mean, let's cut to the chase. We got people sitting around, and I hear it in meetings all the time. Well, you didn't get this sick overnight, you're not going to get well overnight. You, you know, how sanctimonious are you? I mean, who's the one killing people with their opinions? Where does it say that in the big book? Bill Wilson had a spiritual experience sitting in Towns Hospital working on his ninth step, folks. He was still detoxing when he had his spiritual experience. Dr. Bob, a little less than two weeks. Alcoholic number three, a little less than a week. Already worked the steps. They're out there working with other alcoholics within the week. And we tell these cats to sit around and take their time. Oh, Mike, you're not ready to work with anybody. God tells you when you're ready, folks. God tells you. I don't give a rat's butt if you're two days sober. It's time to go work with another alcoholic in an attic. Folks, we're losing the battle out there. This is a yes or no question. Did you start on the title page and do everything it asked you to do up to page 164? Did you do all three inventories that the four-step did? Did you go make all your damned amends? And are you actively out there working with other alcoholics? Folks, recovery is guaranteed if you do those things. It's a promise that the book tells you. Have you done the work or not? I mean, let's look at this thing with an open mind, folks. I'm looking around the fellowship and I'm seeing a whole bunch of people out there who've got some time under their belt sober, but they're powder dry, they're miserable. That's not recovered. Problem is, I believe, is that we just don't hold enough people accountable about this thing. You see, if Mary's not happy, we need to stop patting her on the head and saying, keep coming back, it'll work. We need to say, why aren't you working the damn steps that got us to a place where we can be happy, joyous, and free? Why aren't you doing the same thing we did? Back in the early days of Alcoholics Anonymous, recovery rates were through the ceiling. History books are full of it. Archives. Uh, it explains to us how our success rate was so good back then and what we were doing to receive that success rate. We weren't spending a whole bunch of valuable time trying to explain to people how they could stop relapsing. Relapsing is not necessary. We've got a whole industry grown up around this relapse thing. Oh, a relapse is just inevitable. No. Once the spiritual experience takes place and God's power kicks in, relapse is not necessary. The desire to drink is removed from you completely. Now, that's been my experience and the experience of thousands of other alcoholics and addicts that I've had the privilege to work with. Everybody that does the work and has the spiritual experience gets taken to a different place. And everybody that doesn't, doesn't. And they're the vocal majority in AA today. They're the ones that want to come up and take exception and make a bunch of excuses why this won't work. In the early days of AA, again, if you'll pick up any of the history books and read this stuff, we were having like about a 75% success rate. Now, this is published two places in the big book. Back in the, in the, in the forwards and then back in the, back in the appendix, it talks about it. Again, the archives are talking about Clarence S. There's books out here on the table that I noticed earlier this morning talking about Clarence Snyder. They had nearly 100% success rate around Cleveland. Dr. Bob around Akron, I'm telling you, damn near 100% success rate with the people coming into the fellowship. You guys don't have to be rocket scientists. Look at your own meetings. Look at your own fellowships and watch the people come in and go back out. Come in and go back out. Come in and go back out. Why? Because we were using our meetings as therapy groups. We were using our meeting as process groups. We were not using the meetings as pep rallies to talk about God. One more time, folks. You know, alcoholism and drug addiction is not a behavioral problem. Mary didn't just get set on a potty backwards one time and wake up and say, Well, goddamn, my parents are assholes. Now I'm an alcoholic. 
I tell you, if I say one thing from the podium, it's controversial, it's this. And everybody wants to come up and say, yeah, but you understand. You need to see, this had something to do with the rape. This had something to do with the molestation. This had something to do with Vietnam. This had something... I'm saying this. If you will go back to what the book says, given sufficient reason, why don't you deal with those issues and now go? Let me make a, make a kind of a point to you here. Uh, ten years ago, insurance companies used to pay for treatment like slot machine. Within the last ten years, treatment via insurance companies has dropped by about 73%. Why? We, got, we, got, we, need, we have less people that need it, or what? <laughs> no. Thank you, Mr. Crack Cocaine. We have twice as many people now that need it. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Well, we got a nightmare out there. But why won't, why won't insurance companies pay for it so, so readily? Because we've got a whole bunch of people uh, coming to treatment, dealing with issues, walking back out of treatment, never picking up the big book, never going to 12-step meetings, never doing any 12-step work, never doing what we asked them to do, and, and, and they're not staying sober. And insurance companies, after years of abuse, finally said, we're not paying for that shit anymore. Why should we pay for Mike to come to treatments 15 times? Why? No, but we've got to get straight with this. Why should we? We shouldn't. Because the solution is not if he's a real alcoholic and addict about his issues. You know, people out there in the world, they think we're partying down. We're just, you just need to learn to quit partying so much. Folks, this, this is long beyond partying. That, that, that lady walking into that crack house that she was raped at two nights before is not going back to get some more party. Do you all understand that? She's trying to get to a place with that crack cocaine so she can be okay inside. We've got to get straight with this business. The book says, I drink and drug for the effect produced by the drug. So, I'm standing up here. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I'm dying inside. And so what I want to do is get okay inside. Right? <laughs> so now I've got about 15,000 people trying to help me, trying to treat everything outside. And I need to say this now before I don't get it in later, a lot of this still goes on in my AA meetings today. It's called junior therapy sessions. Well, I just haven't been able to find a babysitter that's good, you know, that, 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 that. And so we're going to spend the entire hour talking about babysitters. Hi, come on, right now. Everybody's done it. Everybody's setting meetings and just like that. Well, I'm going through a divorce and I need to talk about my divorce. Well, okay. How, how nice for you. But I'm saying, what does the book ask us to do? The book asks us to talk about the hope and the power of God. But what are we doing? In there pissing and moaning about the traffic. In there talking about the probation officer. In there talking about antidepressants. In there talking about the relationships. In there talking about the kids. In there talking about everything under the sun except what we're supposed to talk about, which is the power of God. We all got stuff we need to talk about. That's why God gives us therapists. Go find one. But in my meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous and Cocaine Anonymous and N.A., in my meetings, we need to be talking about the power of God. We need to be talking about how can you have a spiritual experience. And if you want to talk about anything else besides that in my AA meeting, you're in the wrong place. We let it go every day. I hear it until I just want to puke. Well, she, she's just so upset. She just needs a place to share. Well, <laughs> so go to Denny's. I've said it a thousand times. We all do this and we all applaud and we all say, Chris, you're right. And then we'll go to a meeting tomorrow night and there'll be some little lady there or some little guy there and he'll be wanting to talk about his probation officer and everybody will just cross their head and just kind of go off to sleep. And we'll just let them do it. You know what the proper response is there? He says, Bubba, Bubba, excuse me just a minute. We're not going to talk about that right now. You need to help find a sponsor. We can talk about that. <laughs> but right now, we're going to talk about the power of God. 
We're going to talk about how to have a spiritual experience so that you'll have the power to deal with all of that. Do any of you think that we're going to be able to arrange your life so it will be so perfect that you won't have to drink? You know, your life, whether you've got money or don't have money or you're in the relationship or out of the relationship, it's got nothing to do with whether or not you're going to be drinking or not. See? But we spend a lot of time trying to get you guys to organize your life so that you don't have to drink. Follow me? I, I just go ahead and do it. What the hell? I mean, they talk about it in treatment all the time in therapists. They talk about this triggers list. You know what I mean? Well, we got to get down straight with this business. What is this? You're going to make me a list of things that you think are causing you to drink, and we're going to get rid of all of that, and you're still going to be drinking, so why mess with it? we got too many people sharing opinions with us in meetings. We have the solution right here. We have people in meetings, as long as we're on that topic, telling people to just don't drink. But you see, where in the big book does it say that? Turn to page 24. There's a paragraph in italicis. Bill Wilson, uh, this is probably the most controversial paragraphs in the big book. And it's absolutely heresy to read it in AA meetings, so be sure you don't do it, because you'll, you'll piss somebody off, and we don't want to do that, for Christ's sake. I'm more concerned with you and your sensitive little feelings than I am with whether or not you find the power of God. So let's get straight here. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory and suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. Did you hear what I just said? We are without defense against the first drink. That's why Bill Wilson understands that the, the, the absolute necessity to have this spiritual experience. Because, because you may be able to keep yourself sober today. That's why we teach you this stuff in treatment, some of the stuff, the triggers list, the, the, the preventive things that we ask you guys to do. If going back and hanging out in that old bar was a, if you drank at, if staying out of that bar would help you stay sober till you get your feet on the ground, then that's why we do that. You understand? But see, the message has been so watered down, we've got so many people believing that what we're trying to explain to you is that that's going to keep you sober. That if I just stay out... Uh, how many of you guys have ever taken a geographical cure? Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how disheartened I was when I found out there was alcohol in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> but I went there with a, with a clear understanding that I was going to get sober over there. The problem is I took this spiritual malady with me, right? This internal condition. Unbelievable. We're going to be unable to remember the horror stories that happened to us even a week or a month ago. Isn't that what the book just said? So let me ask you a question, just for grins. Why do we spend so much time in our meetings telling more stories? But if I haven't had a spiritual experience, and the internal condition reaches such a point that I get caught in what the book calls a mental blank spot, I won't remember Ray's sad story, and I won't remember Jim's, and I promise you I won't remember yours. I'm not even going to remember mine. I'm just going to pick up a drink and go use. You cannot scare an alcoholic into sobriety. That's absolutely right. But we, we continue to do it in meetings till I want to puke. Why, why are all the people coming to us in a treatment facility situation? Not Again, I'm not knocking treatment. A bunch of people in here got sober in treatment. But I'm telling you, what's going to keep them sober is not the treatment. When they go to that noon meeting, that brown baggers meeting across town, and they're sitting down there eating a ham sandwich, and they're in that room full of people and listen to people talk about how their lives have been changed because of the power of God, they're going to walk out of that room absolutely convicted that what they're doing is right. And as they go work with other alcoholics, they're going to know that they're on the right path because they're outside themselves 
And you'll follow what I'm saying? But if they happen to be unlucky enough to end up in a pissing and moaning contest in one of these meetings where everybody wants to sit around and commiserate about their problems, they may get up and go drink. What did the book say on the same page? Our common problem is but one element of the powerful cement that binds us. But that in itself could not hold us together. It's our common solution that holds us together. If you're walking back into a meeting and sharing anything but positive, powerful stuff, you are wrong. You are wrong. And the arrogance of you to think you can do it. Why did we have 75, 100% getting sober back then? Because they didn't do that shit. AA was not a therapy group. AA was a pep rally. Well, it's the truth. AA was a pep rally. We know what the problem is, folks. Does anybody have the solution? Then that then arrogance of me to walk into a meeting and think that I can bore you with some trivial, stupid inconvenience that I'm going through today. Everybody wants to let them off the hook. Well, they've got to have a place to share. I'm going to say it again. Come see me after the meeting. Come see me before the meeting. Let's go find a therapist. Let's go find a professional. Let's go talk to a lawyer about that divorce. I've got one responsibility. To help you get on a spiritual path so that you can find a relationship with God that you've always wanted. To wake up in the morning, to sit down in this garden this morning and cry crocodile tears because it's just so cool out there, you know? It's just gorgeous. To watch men and women that I watched come in and absolutely burnt toast and to watch them out there kicking butt and taking names today. Did I do that? Shit, no. God did that. The credit goes to God. When we get back on square one, when we start talking about this stuff in our meetings again, we'll have success rate just like we did back in the olden days. We'll have people getting sober and staying sober. Relapse prevention. It's an oxymoron. You can't keep yourself sober. You can keep yourself sober today, maybe, and maybe tomorrow, but there will come a time, I'm just going to have one glass of champagne. Where does the crazy thinking come from? It comes from the disease of alcoholism, folks. And that crazy thinking will continue to come back until you recover. And once you recover, the book says sanity returns, and then you can come and go as you please. The book says says, self-knowledge avails us nothing. If self-knowledge availed us much of anything around drinking and drugging, folks, why do we have so many licensed chemical dependency counselors coming through treatment at our facility? Why do we have so many doctors and lawyers and psychiatrists coming through treatment. Because self-knowledge can't fix what's wrong with you. God can. ABCs. God could and would if He were sought. And that's the bottom line. I'm going to back out of this real quick. <clears throat> Try to mend some feelings because I know I've stepped on some of you. I want to go on record now I am not knocking therapy. Therapy is wonderful. I'm not knocking treatment. If you're relapsing and you have any chance to go to treatment, it's a wonderful experience. Please do. But if you think for a second that that therapist will get you sober, if you think for a second that treatment center will get you sober and keep you sober, you are mistaken. I will never back off that. It's what the book says. God keeps me sober. God keeps me sober. And my only job today is to stay connected to God. So what do I do? I work the steps with a sponsor who's had a spiritual experience as a result of the steps. I continue to have daily meditation and prayer like we were talking about this morning. And most, most absolutely on top of everything, 
I place myself so that I can be of service to you. I am at your beck and call 24 hours a day if you want to talk about the power of God. Everything I have today, including my life, comes from the power of God. The only thing God asked me to do is give back a little bit. The book says a price has to be paid. The problem with so many of us in AA today is that we're not willing to pay the price. We think because we went to treatment and spent a bunch of money that we paid the price. We did not. The people that are paying the price are the people down at the halfway house holding those people's hands, walking them through the steps. The people that are paying the price are back at the detox center helping those nurses volunteer, helping those people carrying the message of hope back into those facilities. The people that are paying the price are sitting on the front row in our AA meetings waiting for the newcomer to come in the door to reach out and hold them. The book says we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and addicts who still suffer. We tried to carry this message. Doesn't mean we sat on the front porch and, and thought about our own little shit. Listen, folks, I know I got some problems, and you got problems, and you need some time to talk about that. But in an AA meeting, you need to have your little eyeball peeled for the newcomer coming in the door. Is the guy getting the kind of sponsorship that he's supposed to have? You see? Bill Wilson wrote it in the archives, folks, and, and it's there in. Um, uh, AA Comes of Age, it was out of old grapevine letters, written back in 1958. And, I, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big history of AA, and I'm loving this stuff. But Bill Wilson's saying is this, and I'm going to close with this. He says, Alcoholics Anonymous is not going to be, this is a paraphrase, I don't have it in front of me. I looked for it, couldn't find it. He says, Alcoholics Anonymous is not going to be destroyed from the outside. The world loves us, you know. We're off the street, you know. We, we ain't messing with their daughters no more. They love us being here, you know. He says, AA is not going to be destroyed from the outside. It's going to be destroyed from the inside. And just like individual people like Mary and Mike and James, just like we have to take our own inventory and do our own work in the 12 steps, AA must do the same thing too. And when James finds a flaw in his character, he takes it to God and tries to change. And AA better change. We better stop sitting on our ass doing it the way we're doing it now because it ain't working. If our success rates are so low, could it possibly be, and this is what Bill Wilson's asking us to look at, even back as far as 1958, could it possibly be that the people today are not getting the kind of sponsorship that we got back when we got sober? I travel around a lot, folks, and I get to see it. Are we doing what we're supposed to do in our meetings? Are we carrying that message of hope? Are our meetings pep rallies? Or have they denigrated into a therapy group where we try to process your feelings? You want to feel better? Let me just put it. You want to feel better? You go to the next AA meeting that you're at and you find the most busted up buckaroo in there. And you go up to him and you get him a cup of coffee and you sit down with him in the book you sponsor him and you start him on the spiritual journey and you watch the light come on in his eyes when he finally realizes that he has some hope, that he don't ever have to get up and drink again, that he don't ever have to go back into that crack house. He don't ever, ever have to do the things that he's been doing just to get through the day. And you sit down with a minute, get out of yourself, spend a few moments with this cat and watch the miracle take place. I owe those people in North Texas that finally got me and got me the book, I owe them my life. Somebody said the other day, I said it a thought, Chris, you're too busy. You need to slow down. You need to quit speaking so much. You mind your own damn business. I'll take care of my, my social schedule. When, he says, when is your debt to AA going to be paid off? My mom asked me that question one time. I said, what do you mean from a man that could not not drink? And I had a spiritual experience, nothing fancy, nothing great, just a garden variety, by God, you better believe, life-changing experience as a result of somebody caring enough to give me the message of hope. Not to pat me on the head and just let me sit in the meetings, but to give me the message of hope. 
I owe them my life. And I'll pay that debt until I die. Gladly. Everybody that comes to that facility, we monitor after they leave. You know who stands over? The people that are sponsoring people, right? We guys have been out of treatment two months sponsoring people. Old timers giving them a hard time. You ain't been sober long enough. Show me in the book where it says that. At least they're off their dead ass trying to excite something about the fellowship. This ain't about ego. This is about God. This is about power. If this tide of alcoholism and drug addiction is going to be changed, it will be changed by the power of God. It will be changed by the power of one alcoholic sharing with a new alcoholic. One drug addict, one crack addict sharing with a new crack addict. Y'all follow me? Until you've walked into a room and sat down and watched somebody that you've had something to do with carrying the message of hope to them and you see how this chain you you ain't lived. You don't know what high is until you see what the power of God can do. You watch people come through this shit that would that kept them in psychiatric units for years, all of a sudden to come clear on the other side and be a powerful unit in this fellowship. Out there making plenty of money in great relationships. How did that all happen? It happened because they got out of themselves for a minute and helped somebody else. Selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of my problems. We've talked about our own shit long enough, folks. It's time to go help somebody else. God's in the pots and the pans. That's what my sponsor taught me. God's in the trenches. He's not up on some spiritual mountaintop. He's in the trenches, cleaning up puke, taking people to meetings, sitting down when you're so damn tired you can't stand it, to sit down and say, okay, start on the title page and doing what you're supposed to do, which is called carry the message of hope.